I'm Bill Moyers. It's good to have your ear. Chevron tried to buy the election, but voters said, we are not for sale. As soon as you enter the borders of the town, you see that it's a battleground. You see billboards everywhere. You see signs on every corner. And you can tell that someone is really trying very hard to win an election. We have a community that is clear that we cannot be bought. And that is what the voters said this past Tuesday. They gave a resounding vote of saying, uh, no, Chevron, we're not supporting your candidates. We're supporting the good, progressive candidates. So it's been a, a real, real success for grassroots democracy. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. In Tuesday's elections, money tore its way through our political system like a flash fire and burned its way right down to the foundations. The nonpartisan Center for Responsive Politics finds that in races for the House of Representatives, the candidate who spent the most money prevailed about 94% of the time. In Senate races, about 81% of the time. Much of it was dark money from shadowy groups that don't have to disclose their donors. You may never know who really owns the senator or representative, the governor or state judge you voted for. In this penumbra of politics, where corporations and billionaires can safely and secretly purchase shares in America, Inc., the big winners on Tuesday were the Republican bagman, Karl Rove, whose candidates prevailed in at least six senatorial races, and the organization Americans for Prosperity, backed by the oligarchs Charles and David Koch, who added at least five Republican senators to their portfolios. And why not? The conservative majority on the Supreme Court wrote the prescription, exercise all the free speech you can buy. That's prompted the watchdog journalist Harvey Wasserman to write this week, the GOP corporate coup d'etat is nearly complete. But not quite. Look at what happened in Richmond, California. Richmond is a city of more than 100,000 in the Bay Area. Chevron, one of the biggest and most powerful companies in the Fortune 500, has a refinery there with big pollution problems. After that refinery erupted in fire two years ago, the city, led by Mayor Gail McLaughlin, sued Chevron for what it alleges is a long history of negligence. What's more, the city is making Chevron pay an additional $200 million in taxes and other payments to make Richmond, once a danger zone of poverty and crime, a better place to live. This election year, Chevron came out with guns blazing, spending more than $3 million against progressive candidates in Richmond who refused to follow the company line. Chevron money bought expensive flowers and mailers, paid for billboards, and slickly produced attack ads that tried to make the candidates they didn't like look bad. Vote no on Eduardo Martinez. Guess what? When the votes were counted this week, Chevron lost. One of its targets is with me now, Gail McCoughlin, mayor of Richmond since 2007. Because of term limits, this year she ran for and won a seat on the city council, despite the efforts of Chevron to beat her. Also with me is Harriet Rowan, a graduate student in journalism at the University of California, Berkeley, where she's also a reporter for Richmond Confidential. That's a real news site run by the school whose reporters cover Richmond the way the mainstream media should, but doesn't. 
Harriet Rowan uncovered the vast amounts of campaign cash Chevron spent trying to turn Richmond back into a company town. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Pleasure to be here. What's it like to have a giant like Chevron throwing all that money around trying to defeat you? Well, you know, clearly it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but we have a community that is clear that we cannot be bought. And that is what the voters said this past Tuesday. They gave a resounding, resounding vote of saying, uh, no, Chevron, we're not supporting your candidates. We're supporting the direction that the city has been going in with good progressive candidates. So it's been a, a real, real success for grassroots democracy. But you're right, it is a challenge. And we have, um, we have had to organize big time canvassing um, during the election season. We started back in March. So months of hundreds of volunteers, wonderful volunteers going door to door, um, doing going to community events, spreading the word. We not only um, won with our, all of our candidates, every single one of the candidates we supported won, um, and we defeated all of the Chevron candidates. Chevron spent more than $350,000, I understand from mm -hmm. Harris reporting, in negative spending just against you. Mm -hmm. How much did you raise and spend in your race for the city council? Right. Well, I've raised about 48000 to 50000 and I uh, spent, I got a little matching funds from the city, so I spent about 60000 So while Chevron puts out, I think it's 250 dollars per voter to get their message right. across, we put out less than a dollar per voters. Has Richmond ever experienced uh, such a massive expenditure as Chevron brought to bear mm -hmm. on this race? Ever well, before? This is, this is the largest they have done. Every election they have spent more and more. In 2010, they spent 900000 In 2012, they spent $1.2 This year, they spent $3 million plus. So we knew it was going to be more. The more gains the progressive community makes, the more gains the city makes in a good direction, the more Chevron feels threatened by those of us that can't be bought. And so they throw more money to try and defeat us. Chevron has money to burn. It's a smart investment for them, isn't it? If they win. Yeah, if they win, that was it. They they certainly figured spending three million would be would be nothing. You know, they make twenty six billion dollars in profit a year and ten percent of their global sales come from the um, the refinery in Richmond. So uh, we're a very high productive uh, refinery for their pocketbook. Um, but yes, they thought it would be a small chump change, but we beat them. And uh, now they will have to understand that we're holding them accountable, as we have in the past, um, to reduce their, re, uh, their pollution further. We want it to be the cleanest, safest refinery possible. We also have a lawsuit against Chevron for the uh, fire of 2012, which sent 15,000 people to local hospitals for medical treatment. Well, we believe our community deserves, you know, really uh, substantial damages from that. It, it had a big impact on the health and also on our economy because property values plummeted. So um, we, we plan to hold Chevron accountable, and uh, uh, it took a, a long, uh, strong battle to get to this point, but um, we're ready for the challenge going forward. Harriet, how did you break this story? So in September, when we started with our schoolwork and we were assigned to Richmond Confidential, I was assigned to the politics beat, and I have a little bit of experience, so my first 
thought when I was looking for stories to pitch was to go look at the campaign finance reports. Follow the money. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I did. First rule of journalism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I went and I started looking through the reports. And there were some things that were, obviously there was a lot of money being spent, but there was also some, some things that I couldn't quite figure out. Um, one of those being that Chevron was giving $3 million to this campaign committee called Moving Forward, and then there was two other campaign committees with very similar names that both started with, also started with Moving Forward, that were spending the money. And I, it took a while, but I finally figured out that what was happening was Chevron was giving $3 million to this central campaign committee. That campaign committee was giving money to two other campaign committees, and those campaign committees were making the expenditures. Did I just hear you say there were three separate campaign committees? Yes, there were. And I can't think of any reason and haven't been able to find anyone who's given any reason why they would have three campaign committees except to obfuscate where the money was coming from. Were you surprised by the amount of money that Chevron was pouring into Richmond? Yeah, I was shocked by how much money was being spent in a very small local election. To be pouring half a million dollars into uh, supporting a candidate for mayor in a city of, of about 100,000 people, it was shocking to me. Um, and so, and then the, the next question is obviously, why are they spending that money? Did you ask them that question? My colleagues at Richmond Confidential uh, wrote a lot about the intentions that, why Chevron was spending this much money. And the question kept coming back, although Chevron has denied this, that it's most likely because they are concerned about how much money they might have to pay out in a settlement. What did you see when you went there for the first time? As soon as I got to Richmond, there was a giant billboard um, with Gail uh, on it. It was an attack billboard against her. And that was the first thing I saw when I entered Richmond. And beyond that, you know, every single part of Richmond, it was amazing. One day I went to take pictures of the billboards. I would drive down a street, stop five or six times to take pictures of the billboards. And when I would turn around to go back, there were five or six more billboards that I hadn't seen. Um, facing the other direction. I was struck by the number of brochures, bulletins, mm -hmm. uh, cards, other things that were showing up in everybody's homes in Richmond, including this one for one of the Chevron-backed candidates. Hi, I'm Charles <laughs> Ramsey, and I'm running for city council because I love Richmond. That's expensive to do. Yeah, well, this was the first uh, talkie uh, mailer that was that we got, but that whole pile is what comes comes into every uh, registered voter's mailbox, and we always got inundated from Chevron's uh, mailers. Uh, they have taken to uh, our streets with buying up every billboard. They have. Um, taken over airwaves with all kinds of ads and the internet. So Chevron pulled out all the stops this election. I understand that Chevron used to have a desk in the in the offices at the city right. council? Yes. The, uh, in the 90s, there, uh, a Chevron executive had a desk in the city manager's office. And that's, that's outrageous. That's, you know, corporate um, corporations take on, taking over city government. How, how outrageous. But you need Chevron to keep Richmond thriving. Well, the fact of the matter is that Chevron, um, you know, pays, if you look at our whole budget, they only pay 12% of the whole entire budget. Mm -hmm. Some people say 30% of our general fund. But we think they should be paying more in taxes. We did get that $114 million settlement um, in 2010 based on a multi-year uh, public pressure campaign that, you know, called for fair taxation. And we passed a... Um, 
a ballot measure. The voters passed a ballot measure which would have taxed Chevron more. Chevron brought it to court and uh, the court overturned it. But that's why um, they knew we were going to put it forward again. And so Chevron sat down with the um, city and said, hey, you know, we'll come up with a, a tax settlement. And they did. And, you know, we consider that a, a public victory. And that's what it's all about. After that massive fire at the refinery in what, 2012, was it? 2012. 2012. Yes. And as you said earlier, more than 15,000 people had to seek medical treatment for respiratory and other health right. problems. Chevron pled no contest right. to, 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 to six criminal charges. And you, as the acting mayor and the city council, voted then to sue Chevron. Tell us what happened. After right. That. Yeah. They were clear. I was, you know, been mayor for eight years, finishing up my eighth year. They're clear that I hold them accountable and that I work with the community. And uh, so when it became clear that um, they had done this terrible damage to us and traumatized our community, um, I wanted to make sure they were held accountable, and so did the community. And we want to make sure the kind of settlement or the kind of ruling comes forward that helps our community, not just getting peanuts, not just you know having a, a, a council on board that would you know drop the lawsuit. So that was motivating us. Do you think this money being spent by Chevron in the election this fall was retaliation? You know, Chevron is always like... Um, I would say bashing us. You know, a hundred years of Chevron rule, when the progressives came on board, we stood up to them. So it isn't a question of, you know, bashing them. We want to work with them for the betterment of our community, but that means they have to adhere to our regulations because we represent the people. So are they retaliating against us? Um, you know, this particular election, they're trying to stop us. You know, you could call it retaliation. Certainly they don't like what we've done. You know, corporate America just can't have this, can't have a low to middle income community standing up for itself. Um, that's unheard of, you know. Do either of you think that Citizens United, the Supreme Court decision in 2010, has had a downstream impact in Richmond? Absolutely. That's uh, what has allowed Chevron to give unlimited amounts of money to this campaign committee that is then allowed to spend unlimited amounts of money to influence voters. I think that that's a, you know, a clear result of Citizens United. And you grimaced when I said the words Citizens United. Well, it's clear that Citizens United is um, you know, an evil for our democracy. And if it's left left standing, it will destroy our democracy. So I think Richmond is a perfect example of how Citizens United plays out on, you know, real life experiences. This $3 million plus of Chevron money has has just, you know, over pervasively dominated the uh, experience of the average Richmond resident walking through our streets and our, coming from our telephones and our airwaves all over. And this is, this is a big problem, and we'll have to keep fighting it. We've, we've managed thus far to, to uh, keep our progressive movement going, and now we're in a, a better situation than ever with this election. But we recognize that this is, this is an ongoing threat to our democracy. I think some people might look at this and say, well, here's an example of how uh, big money didn't, wasn't able to influence the results of the election. But if you look at it, the candidates that were supported by Chevron were not, Donna Powers, one of them, 
was not even a resident of, of Richmond until right before, and also Charles Ramsey. Um, and I went to try to find their campaign headquarters. Donna Power's campaign headquarters were in a UPS store. It was a, a mailbox in a UPS store. And at Charles Ramsey's headquarters was an un, unidentified house um, next to a vacant lot that didn't even have any signs in front of it. It was very odd, and it was kind of made it clear that these were essentially shadow candidates that were supported by Chevron who didn't have any very much community support, but they didn't win, but they did get thousands of votes. And the fact that Chevron supported him with that much money is the reason they got that many votes. So they didn't win, but they wouldn't have been candidates if, if it weren't for Chevron's money. This is not the first time you've been involved in a big con controversy and, and been fought by a big industry. I mean, mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. listen to this. Hi, this is Kelly on behalf of the National Association of Realtors. I'm calling because the stakes are too high and your vote for Corky Boos for City Council is crucial. So if you haven't already, please consider requesting a vote by ballot for this year's election. It's a great way to beat the lines on Election Day and show your support for Corky Boos. Thank you. This call was paid for by the National Association of Realtors Fund, 202-383-1020. Not authorized by any candidate or committee controlled by a candidate. National Association of Realtors. Now, what was that about? It was That was a phone call from the National Association of Realtors in Washington, D.C. with their Washington, D.C. phone number at the end of it. Um, and I think that uh, people who got that phone call were a little bit confused and surprised because not only was this National Association getting involved in this very small um, race, specifically Corky Bouzet's race, mm -hmm. which was a two, for a two-year seat, mm -hmm. but they s pronounced his name wrong. You know, he, he walks in lockstep with Wall Street and the big banks and the realtors, and so they support him. The National Association of Realtors um, started sending out mailers to uh, support candidates that would um, oppose the eminent domain program that we have uh, advanced and are continuing to move in the right direction in Richmond. You uh, used eminent domain, which is the power of the city or any any governmental authority to declare a public purpose for certain private lands. That's right, that's right. We have stated that this is our intent to um, utilize eminent domain for acquiring underwater mortgages and then resetting, refinancing the mortgages into new loans um, that are in line with current home values. All in, you know, it keeps the homeowners in their home. It prevents foreclosures. It, you know, really uh, takes away the victimization of homeowners that have been victim to predatory lending practices. Our home values plummeted throughout the housing crisis, and of course, the Chevron fire made them uh, plummet even further. But what we do, so they now have these massive mortgages, and um, their value of their houses is, you know, much smaller. We take those larger mortgages. We have a private firm that is um, has social investors involved with it, and they they put up the money, no cost to the city, and then we refinance them um, with into a new loan, whereby the um, the homeowner can afford to make the payments because the new principal has been reduced um, to match the home cur home's current value. So why was the Association of Realtors opposed to this? Well, you know, ultimately, I think this is a win-win even for realtors, but apparently they don't see it because when you have vacant homes because of foreclosure problems, 
um, and uh, neighborhoods are unsustainable. You have more crime. The home values in the neighborhoods go down, and realtors can't sell the homes. But when you have people staying in their homes with affordable mortgage payments, um, sustainable neighborhoods, you have uh, the opportunity for home values to rise, and that is better for the realtors. But they think short-term. They don't want, you know, they line up with Wall Street. They line up with the big banks. They don't want us to utilize our, our local authority as a city government. That's a threat to them. But, you know, those of us that support this program think it's our responsibility to stand for our community that's been harmed so greatly. What have you learned about local politics that others around the country might want to know? What I've learned that, you know, yes, corporations can have a lot of money and influence, but that's nothing compared to the power of people when united. You still believe that old cliche that organized people are the best antidote to organized money? Absolutely. That's what has made change, you know, throughout the history of the world. You know, it's it's the power of people united. And uh, we've done it before in this country. We're doing it again in Richmond. And we think um, that our nation as a whole could start forming this grassroots movement for real change in our nation um, that can really bring about the kind of healthy quality of life that we all deserve. Mayor McLaughlin, thank you for being with me. Harriet Rowan, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back with Boyers and Company after this break. At our website, BillMoyers.com, you'll find further analysis of the election and the money behind it. That's all at BillMoyers.com. I'll see you there, and I'll see you here next time. Moyers & Company is produced by Public Affairs Television. You can learn more about the team that collaborates to produce the series at BillMoyers.com. Funding is provided by Ann Gumowitz, encouraging the renewal of democracy. Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security at Carnegie.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. The Herb Alpert Foundation, supporting organizations whose mission is to promote compassion and creativity in our society. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macfound.org. Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The Kohlberg Foundation, Barbara G. Fleischman. And by our sole corporate sponsor, Mutual of America, designing customized individual and group retirement products. That's why we're your retirement company.